All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. And today is our last regular meeting for this year. So, if you have a testimony, see Pastor Okemuti. I'm very serious about it. Why are they laughing? All right. If you like, we'll stay here till 12 o'clock today. If you are going somewhere, sneak out after some time. But let's um, enjoy ourselves. All right. We're going to take the declaration of the glory of the Lord today from the book of Colossians chapter 1. I guess that's the most important of all the ones we do take because that is the basis of all that we are doing. That is what Christianity is. Colossians chapter 1. I don't, if anybody asking you about Jesus and all of that, what is this your um, faith about? Just send the person to Colossians chapter 1. There is nothing like it in my own understanding the whole scriptures. For me, that is the basis of um, my belief in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the prophets and the Psalms is because of what I've learned concerning Christ Jesus. All right? So Colossians chapter 1 is where we are going to start, we are going to recite from again this morning. We'll start from verse 12 and read all the way to verse 20. Are you there? Colossians chapter 1 from verse 12. All right, want to let's go. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, what are things on earth or things in heaven? Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. That is the summary of who Christ Jesus is to us. That is the summary of it. Nobody could have composed this by human intelligence. This was absolutely inspired by the Spirit of God. It's not possible. Nobody could have done this by human intelligence. So what is Christianity about? Tell the person, go and read Colossians chapter 1. Just start from verse 12 or 13 to verse 20. Once you've read it, you understand it. I hope you're getting my point. I remember once when I was seven, uh, my roommate was a Fulani uh, man, young man. All right. And he told me something once. He said, you Christians confuse me. He says, Jesus Christ, God, or what? <laughs> like, you, to be honest with you, it was hard for me to explain to him. Very nice guy, you know. If I wrote me after we left um, NYC, I know, uh, Tukru, that was his name, all right? I wonder where he is now. That was long ago, okay? <laughs> it, it, that, that day we were talking in the room. He said, look, you Christians, you, you confuse me. That he, doesn't, that he couldn't relate with what are we doing. What, is Jesus Christ God or is not? Do you get my point? I wish I knew what I know now. I'll just open to this Colossians chapter 1 and read it to him in a simple translation. I said, this is the summary of it. 
Can't remember the explanation I gave him then. The Lord is good. This is a summary of what our faith is about. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning that you have gathered us from our different homes because of the love for you that you place in our hearts. For that one, we say thank you. For the health, the joy, the gladness to come, we say thank you. We can't seek you except you are the one seeking us. You have sought us, you have called us, you have pulled us, you have drawn us to yourself. For that reason, we give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ. And this morning, as we gather around your word, we open our hearts to insight. We open our hearts to understanding. We open our hearts, Lord, that you will speak to us. Speak to us this morning. We receive it by faith. Therefore, we declare as follows. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with this Lord's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's take our seats. Good morning. Good morning. I don't have a title for what I want to share today. But there's something I want to um, just explain. I'll use the word, the spirit of man. I don't know how to explain Yeah, I think I call it something about the spirit of man. That's not the title of my message, but I want to explain something about the spirit of man. There are two verses of the scriptures I'll use to introduce that. One of them is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. And then the other one is from Malachi. One from Proverbs, chapter 18. The other one from Malachi, chapter So let's start with the one from Proverbs chapter 18, from verse 14. Look at what David said, uh, Solomon said, The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit who can bear it. King James says, The spirit of a man can bear his infirmity. He said, but the wounded spirit who can bear. Please bear that in mind. I'm going to explain this in a moment. But let's read the second one, which I said is from where? Malachi chapter 2. Where I want is verse 16, but let's take from verse 14. No, verse 13. He said, this is another thing you do. I said, which verse do I want? 16, right? Yeah, but we just want to take it in context from verse 13, so you may find me jump here and there. This is another thing you do, he said. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and and with groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. He said, yet you say, for what reason? And this is the reason. The Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously. 
though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But not one has done so who has a remnant of the spirit. Some things you might be do today show there's no remnant of the spirit in them at all. And what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Now notice what he said, which is the reason why I read this. Take heed then to your spirit. And let no one deal treacherously against a wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Even though I permitted it by the Lord of Moses. And him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Why did I read this? You'll see it in a moment. You know, I have found out that deep inside each one of us, all right, there is one thing that the Bible calls your spirit. Now, let me go back to the word spirit again so as to help us understand. Because many times people get confused as to the use of that word spirit. And doctrines have been built, I'm sorry to say wrongly, because somebody misused or misinterpreted a particular context in which the word spirit is used in the Bible. Especially Holy Spirit. That's the one that's most confusing. So before I get into my message today, because one of my assignments in life is to help people have understanding, so bear with me sometime when I just belabor some points. Alright? Now, the word spirit in the Bible simply means one thing. Actually, literally, it means wind. Alright? That's what it's used for. It means breath. Now, what it means, really, is that it's an invisible force. So when you see the word spirit in the Bible, both in the Hebrew usage and Greek, that is Old Testament, what you call Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, and then New Testament. It just means invisible force. Now, what kind of force it is, is not a different matter. For example, angels are called spirits. Why? Because when they are operating, you don't see them. They pushed down the wall of Jericho. They were the ones. I read accounts. I remember when I read um, um, Angels and Assignment by Roland Bock. Nice book. Okay? Now, he said that an angel told him that they were the ones that pushed down the wall of Jericho. That the wall of Jericho didn't crumble the way people think about it. That actually it sank. So I was like, ah. So I quickly opened my Bible to cross-check the fact, because you saw a vision where thought would never supersede scripture. So the Bible said it went down flat. Then, but I was using Bollinger's Companion Bible, which bothered to put the, because many things is written in your Bible, they're actually the interpreter's way of helping you understand it. So the way he understood it, we color the way he presents it to you. Okay? So, when you find, so I, literally, the Hebrew actually said, literal Hebrew is, the wall went down under itself. That doesn't make sense in English to the common mind. Do you get my point? For that reason, it's interpreted as the wall went down flat. But literal Hebrew, you can check it, is it went down under itself. I said, oh, what this man said in that revelation is correct. That the angels said they actually 
put themselves on the wall. And when the trumpet blew, they pushed it down. So the wall just went down. And again, I said, okay, that makes sense. That's why the people of Israel could walk straight ahead. Because a wall that thick, if you fell down, you have to start climbing again. It means you can enter, but with difficulty. But this one, they went each man straight ahead. I found out from reading Roland Bach's Angels and Assignment and confirmed from literal Hebrew interpretation. Why am I saying this? Joshua did not see the angels, but he saw the walls go down. So, they are called what? Spirits. He makes his angels spirits. An invisible force. You don't see them, but you see the effect. Do you get my point? Again, just giving us good understanding. That's why people get confused as to when they say Holy Spirit is a person, Holy Spirit is a force. People now try to explain that Holy Spirit is dual. Holy Spirit is not dual any more than Jesus is dual, any more than the Father is dual. If the Father is dual, fine, the Holy Spirit is. Jesus is dual, the Holy Spirit is. But the confusion is that people, every time they see the word Holy Spirit in the Bible, they interpret it as one thing. Two things that you see. Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, they say they mean the same thing. And it means um, the third person of the Godhead, who Jesus said will come as our comforter. Now, please, if you're a Bible student, follow me carefully. Actually, that thing is not accurate. And I can prove it. Because, you see, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And what? With power. Now, next question. But was the Holy Spirit on earth at that time? There's no catch. Okay, now, now we're getting confused because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And he went around doing good. Now he said, when I will go, there's a comforter with the Father, then I will send him. Ah, wait, wait, wait. Who anointed you? See, there's a confusion. People now say, Holy Spirit is the power of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. That's why God said, that Jesus said, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we know it has to be a person. As the ministers of the Lord and fasted, what happened? The Holy Spirit said. So you are dealing with a person now. There's no confusion as to the fact that you are dealing with a person. Jesus said, I will give you another comforter. The word for another day in Greek really means the one of the same type. Another in Greek comes in two forms. Another can be another one of a different kind. For example, I can say, I'll give you another house. Another house means it's going to make a brick and mortar and then, but you move from um, the street to uh, maybe zoo estate, that kind of thing. That's another house. If I say I'll give you another house of another type, it can mean that you will stop living in a physical house, will now move to a spiritual abode. So the word another. But when Jesus used the word another comforter, it means the same type. So he's a person. He will be with you. He will lead you into all truth. Just like I was with you. The only difference now is that I can only be in Jerusalem at a time. He can be in Jerusalem, in India, can be in Enugu, can be in America, at the same time. Which is one of the properties of, or let me use what, characteristics of being God. Omnipotence. Sorry, not omnipotence, omnipotence, power. Just to be present everywhere at the same time. Omnipresent. Is that okay? Omnipresent is knowledge, knowing. Omnipresent. That's the correct word. They wanted to confuse me. Uh-huh. Omnipresent. 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 Everywhere at the same time. <laughs> Do you get my point? 
So that's how the Holy Spirit can be. So he's a person. We don't have any doubt about that. But when he says, the Lord has sent me and his spirit, that's not what he was saying. The Lord has sent me with the power of God. You can read what Zerubbabel was told. Not by power, not by might, but what? By the spirit. All right, so you see, by my spirit. What does that mean? It means by my power and my might. Not by the pressing of the Holy Spirit. No. So that my spirit can be my angels. It can be my hand. So he's talking about the hand of the Lord was upon me. Once you are feeling God's power, the word spirit is used for it. So that is why a whole sect of Christians was built around the fact that there is no Holy Spirit in the Godhead. Because they focus so much on the power of God's usage that they deny the personality. I don't know whether you're getting my point. But some will get confused. They focus so much on the personality. When they now want to explain it, like I was reading a book this morning, early hours of this morning, and the man was, the person was saying, I think it was a man or a woman that, said it was, that wrote it, the woman, saying that, you see, Jesus <laughs> offered himself by the Holy Spirit. I said, what does that mean? Like, please explain it. That God the Father and Jesus and those who had the meeting, which I believe concerned the redemption of mankind. And Jesus now offered himself as a sacrifice by the Holy Spirit, the third person. They said, how do you offer yourself by another person? There was the, that's the power with which he offered himself. I said, let's be honest. That doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to explain this so that you know why Sometimes we have confusion and arguments as believers. This confusion and the arguments we have, they are actually not necessary. It's because of the usage of words. Do you get my point? So, anytime you see, I want to give you a contrast to help you understand it. What happened to Saul, king of Israel, after the, the spirit of God departed from him? Where did the evil spirit come from? Don't be afraid. What did the Bible say? Good. An evil spirit came from God. Now, I don't want to sit down and say, ha, does God have an evil spirit? He doesn't have to have it to send it. Cannot die it. On Amazon. Gigi. Yeah, just go to gigi.com or Jumia, Conga. Spiritual Amazon. And other evil spirit. Put your credit card, God. Say, where do we send it to? Say, deliver it to Saul, king of Israel. And <laughs> the devil will carry a nice one. And it's been paid for. Don't worry, just take your evil spirit. They will send it. They will say God. And it's not a lie. All right? I'll get to my message. Let's get into what they say. I always like to qualify because somebody told me that I'm too hard. I said, I have to tell people the fear of God. Today, my daughter and I were riding down for Bible study. Look, Amos was talking. Ah, I told her, I said, people think that God doesn't do some things. Things that Amos said. Yeah. I just said, my girl won't fear inside me to say, say, God, you will do this. God said, why not? Did I not warn them? God said, I will slay the rest of them with a sword. They will not have a fugitive who will flee or a refugee who will escape. Though they dig into hell, my hand will find them, them and bring them out. If they let them climb to heaven, I will bring them down. Said, so though they hide on 
the summit of Camel. I will set them out there and take them from there. Though they conceal themselves from my sight on the floor of the sea, from there I will command the serpent and it will bite them. Though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword and it will slay them. I will set my eyes against them for evil and not for good. Those who say that God does not, I was telling my daughter, I said, see, it's because they, they are the same people that say that you don't need to read the Old Testament. If you bother to read the whole Bible, you will know that God does. But like I always say, just ask yourself, why? And what can I do so he does not do it to me? And I keep on saying it's simple. Tell him, it's simple, just beg him, Lord, please don't do this to me. That's all. And confess your sins, and more importantly than confessing your sins, forsake them. You can't forsake without confessing. But if you confess and not forsake, it's null and void and of no effect. I hope you're getting my point. Mercy is abundant. I want to sit on it for a moment. Mercy is abundant. You know, one thing about God is that he's very forgiving. He, if you know how forgiving he is, you'll be angry. Yeah, because if you're not too much of a sinner. If you're a very horrible sinner, you'll be happy. But if you're a nice person, when you see the kind of depth of forgiveness... You look at, Lord, me and Osama bin Laden will go to the same heaven. No, that's how you are reasoning. Some of you will get to heaven. Osama will open the door for you. And, and all of you are sure that Osama bin Laden is in hell. God says, how do you know? How do you know? Were you there in that house in Pakistan where I was hiding for years? Do you know whether I came to see him there? Do you know whether he gave his life to Christ? Do you know whether I was the one that told the Americans to come and kill him so he can come home? You don't know now. When you get to heaven, someone says, Oh, brother Kimothy, you're welcome. You're like, ah! <laughs> you know, you're like, Excuse me, is it the same Osama that I know? No, you look at you and say, What the blood did for you, you think you can't do for me? You go look like, say, God, if this is let me go back to earth and commit my own balance of sins. No, no, no. That's how merciful he is. One man commits crime, commits crime his whole life. Finally, they got him. They nailed him to the cross. Last moment. He said, please remember me. That was it. So I tell you, don't just think. They tell you, just feel that, look, look, look. There's nothing I can do now. See, they want to be hard. There's no need to be hard. Just say, Lord, let's be honest. Eh? 40 years, I sinned throughout. Please forgive me. Do you know, there was a time he pronounced judgment against Ahab. Ahab just cried. Ahab didn't even say, sorry, I won't do it again. He just cried. Although he appeared to have said sorry for some time. God now said, ah, look at the way he humbled himself before me. That's how merciful he is. But please don't believe any doctrine that says that he doesn't do these things. He does so. I hope you're getting my point. Now, so like I was saying, back to the main thing. All right, this is just a lot of digression came into it. So, back to the use of the word spirit. So that's what causes confusion in people. So you see, an evil spirit came from God to Saul. Now, but when a good spirit comes, which is a normal thing, when a spirit that carries the character of God, which is what you call the hand of God, sometimes the glory of God, and most importantly, the spirit of God, the name, the power of God in your life comes out and is affecting things around, we call it the spirit of God. I hope you're getting my point. 
So Jesus was anointed with that spirit of God. That is, a just think of um, Zerubbabel. Not by power, not by might, but by what? By the spirit. Just think about it. That outflowing, the power, the influence, the ability of God that he releases, which we call the anointing. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So we call it the anointing. It's the power of God. That's a lot of people get confused. They say the Holy Spirit is not a person because they look at all the things that the Bible uses it. They say this is not a person, that this is a force. They are right. But there is a person called the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, so let me just use unfortunately. Many times those terminologies, they get confusing because they are used interchangeably. You hear that, as a, like we said earlier, as a minister to, the Holy, uh, to God and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, you hear Paul say, the Spirit does indicate. So you see, the Holy Spirit is there. So sometimes they call him the Holy Spirit, sometimes they call him the Spirit of God. Different names. So we get confused. So you have to learn to read in context to know whether they are talking about the power of God, the anointing of God, the glory of God, or they are talking about the person that replaced Jesus on the earth. Do you follow what I'm saying? Please, I keep on saying it because of too many confusions and arguments we get into as Christians. They are not necessary. All right? Now, so the use of the word spirit is abundant. I just picked two now to explain some things. Then the human being also has a spirit. What is the spirit? It's simple. It's that thing that makes you different from a monkey. It's that thing that makes you different from a baboon. It's the thing that makes you different from a chimpanzee. Now, a chimp is very, very similar to human beings. We share, I think, I, I, I keep on, I think it's 93 or 97%. I think it's 97%. Identical DNA. Can you believe that? Yeah. The DNA of the chimp and that of a human being, they, are about, they have about 97% congruency. Do you get what I said? It's so incredibly similar. But there's something... Oh, look, and of course you know, scientists have tried everything, those who believe lies, as if we evolved from the chimpanzee, we did not. We didn't evolve from the chimpanzee more than the Lexus LS460 evolved from the Corolla. They just happen to be made by the same person. I hope you're getting my point. It's not as if the Corolla, after driving from here to London, it turned to a Lexus. Why? Because you see this hub is exactly what you see in the Lexus. If you see this engine array, is the way it is not. The person who made the Camry one day decided to make something similar and he called it a Lexus and he put more things inside. It's not one. You can't, how can you drive a Camry from here to America and turn to Lexus? Does it make sense? If you like drive for 300 million years to wear out, evolution cannot make us become something that we were not before. The chimpanzee was created ab initio like that. But for the flesh, God used a lot of similar parts. But when human beings were made, the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life. That breath, please let me say it to you again, it's not, it's not in and out. Why? The monkey is breathing too. You know what I noticed? The goat breathes. Okay, the one you know breathes well is the dog. Dog, dog spends his life breathing. Are you, not, are you not aware of that? It's always breathing. So did God come to breathe into the dog, the panting of life? He didn't. 
So the one he breathed into Adam was not breath, oxygen, and nitrogen. No. And release of carbon dioxide. It couldn't have been. Otherwise, we will have had to breathe into everything. What he breathed into him is what we call the spirit. And in the new creation, Jesus also breathed into the disciples. After he rose again from the dead, again, and that's where you find confusion. He breathed unto them and said to them what? Receive, literally, Holy Spirit. He gave them a new life. Just like God breathed into Adam at the beginning, Jesus breathed the new creation spirit into them. Yet the Holy Spirit had not come. It was after that he still told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with what? Power from high. Then the Holy Spirit now came, and that Holy Spirit that came, that's a funny thing, it came with the spirit that he poured upon them. Holy Spirit came as a person, but he came with a full bag and tossed it on everybody's head. And he's still tossing on people's heads till today. So that day that the Holy Spirit came, two things came. The Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit came. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit as a person came, and then it came with the power of God. And he began to distribute it upon all of them. So you see the word spirit. Meanwhile, these are the same people that he brings to receive Holy Spirit. That one, what happened that day, the spirit of man that they had originally was changed. A new one was put into them. Just like a child, this new spirit, when you have it, we talked about the new man and the new world then. When you have it, one thing that marks it out is appetite. When you have the spirit of God, you have an appetite, a renewed appetite, a new, not renewed, a new appetite for the word, for the company of brethren. If somebody say gave his life to Christ, they didn't feel like coming to church, they didn't feel like participating in spiritual things or gathering with believers, doubt that person's salvation. You may be wrong, but at least doubt it. Like having a baby that is not, not excited as breast milk. You should know something's wrong. Once babies are born, the first thing they are looking for, you know, they know how to lick mouth. Babies are mouth lickers. And it's what we call routine reflex. Man, Respect God when you see him. Maybe they have this thing inside them. It's inherent. We were taught to test babies like that. Just take a finger, a little baby. Just touch the side of the cheek like this. You want to go there. You won't collect. It's called routine reflex. It's, it's inborn. And once they grab, oh God. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's babies for you. That's what babies do. Babies in Christ also. That's what they do. The word of God tastes sweet to them. You've heard testimonies. People say that I couldn't sleep for two days. I don't read the Bible. The same Bible that you have read and you're like, what is inside it? He's a baby. You know you are, you don't spoil now, you know, like, <laughs> no too much familiarity. Now, so that spirit, that's what I'm going to say. That spirit is inside the new creation when God gives him a new life. All right? So the word spirit is used different ways. But that's not all of this is not what I'm talking about. That's why now what the Bible calls the spirit of a man. What is the spirit of a man? Inside that spirit, there are characteristics. For example, now, you can hear of the spirit of jealousy. Now, it's both a trait of the flesh and an evil spirit. Evil spirits, they come in different types. There's a drunken spirit, all right? It looks for somebody who has a little bit of a flesh lead tendency towards drunkenness and it attaches. It's not everywhere the Satan can jump into. It needs a road. 
So somebody who starts life with a little bit of jealousy, one day can drink of a demonic power of jealousy. I hope you get my point. Now, so, in that, just trying to put that spirits have like traits. So one of the traits that we may have in our spirits, there are many of them. It, like I gave this example of jealousy, but sometimes like zeal is in the spirit also. It's not in the flesh. It's a spirit thing. So the zeal of, for the house of God can consume somebody. Like we say in that song, it burns in my soul. It's a spiritual trait. Now one thing about spirit, now I'm not back to the beginning of this message. I'm back to the beginning. The kind of spirit you have in different areas, or the core of your being, it's actually what decides many things you do in life. You may not realize. What I'm going to say is this. Remember I said spirit what? It's an invisible force. But it's doing something. You see the effect. But you don't see the thing itself. That's why it's called what? It's spirit. So the basic, the, in simple English we use the word motivation and drive. But what I want to emphasize is that is deeper than that. Because sometimes the person does not even know it's there. What do I mean? Baseline in your heart. There is something your life is just about. Please try and follow me. When I was serving, one of my colleagues, Zorin NYC, he said something which I've, I've used as an example many times. I've never forgotten. He said the greatest fear of his life is the fear of poverty. That's what the Bible calls the spirit. So no matter how nice he is, hmm? a man like that will divorce his wife to get rich. He will fall in love with a woman he met somewhere. He will fall heel, head over heels in love, like we say, with her. Sacrifice everything for her. You will say, this guy really loves this girl. Then do you know one day, he will actually join a, a, a cult and offer her as a sacrifice. And you wouldn't believe it. Why? Why would he do that? I know this guy. He loves this girl. When they tell you that he's the one, I'm talking about spiritual things now. You say it's not possible. Sometimes it doesn't, it's not a sacrifice. Like, you see an opportunity. He will divorce the girl to marry somebody else that will open a door for him that will make sure he's never poor again. And he'll be regretting it every day of his life. He'll be feeling bad. He'll be remembering that, ah, Angela, I, I loved Angela. I will never do anything to hurt Angela. But what you don't understand is that he has a spirit. And what is that spirit? The fear of poverty. And since the love of Angela cannot guarantee that he will not fall into poverty, she is sacrificed. Either literally in cultism, in, in, in occultism, or divorce and stuff like that. Now, if you don't understand what is inside somebody, you will get confused. You will be confused. Like, no. Ah. Let's assume the guy's name is Adam. Adam would do that. I remember him and Angela now. What you did not know all this while was that he said the thing he feared the most in life was poverty. For that reason, he would do anything to avoid poverty. Having lived all these years and seen even believers, people you grow up with, you see the way they live life sometimes. You just realize that no, they didn't take heed. That's what I'm talking about. That's what God told them through Malachi. He said, do what? Take heed to your spirit. Take heed. Many people, see, they are, the thing that's really driving them in life eh, is things like safety, security, prosperity. So when they come to church, God is not primary. He's secondary. 
is the means to an end. Many people are called to ministry, not because they are called to ministry, but they and they don't. Know. Let me say something to you, please. Let me beg you again. Please read my little book. It's not so little, but you know what I mean. Guided by the Spirit. Please try and read it. You know, when people say that uh, God spoke to that, you've heard me say many times, God spoke to you personally. To me, is your problem. Most I don't believe it. You will see that and say, then God now said to me, God now said to me, and I'm looking at you like, you must, who do you think you are, Moses, Abby? When the whole Bible, apart from Jesus Christ, there's no human being that God used to converse with like Moses. You see, people will now be using, God spoke to me to impress you with their spirituality. Can I beg you? Don't be impressed. What did I say? Don't be impressed. Let me say it again. Because don't be impressed with anybody's spirituality who's only telling you God spoke to me. In fact, wonder when will you grow up? Because this conversation God is having with you all the time is a sign that you have not grown. I don't have time to explain that. Because some things, you should have, you should have had enough sense to make these decisions. But must have a conversation with you on where you will go this morning. Look, I'm not taking anything away from prophetic offices. That's a different matter. If it's a prophetic office, it's a different matter. That is, you have to go on a special assignment. One brother said, you know, this, the Lord woke me up this morning and he said, what's today's date? <laughs> and he told the Lord, today is today first or second of December? Second. I said, he said the Lord, second of December. The Lord said, you see that there's two in this and two in December. It's 2.12. And 2.23 has two twos. So it's a year of doubles for you. And you're just looking at him like, I said, the Lord now says you should plant a seed of two two two. So you, for, funny people, now write a check for your 222,222 naira 22 cobble. So, you now look and say, what am I supposed to do with it? It's a, it's a, it's a prophetic check. Please, if you are like that, eh, just, just let me warn you ahead of time. Don't think you're impressing me. I'm looking at you like you're not okay. Yeah. There are too many spooky people walking around thinking that it's spirituality that they are dealing with. My wife and I were watching one video yesterday. We had a good laugh. The girl said, ah, he wants to marry. He said, I like that guy. He can ascend. The natural the guy ascending. Is it this ascension? Please go and read my book, Guided by the Spirit. You know what I'm saying of these things? If you don't tackle what is inside your spirit, anything you hear outside is a lie. Many people that inside their spirit is a quest for outward success. And that was what pushed them to hear a call to ministry. You say why? Because the most successful people they know in Christianity were preachers. I don't know whether you get my point. That is, you find out that they grew up in church circle. Of, they, they are actually believers. They are Christians because, you see, don't forget something. Christians can have a wrong spirit. Let them, that doctrine that uh, if you're a Christian, you're straight, straight, leave that thing, no. Christian spirits can be corrupted. And we know because Paul said it, Peter said it. He said, cleanse yourself of what? All defilement of flesh and spirit. Your spirit can be defiled. And Peter said, clearly, Concerning Simon the sorcerer, he said, you are still in the 
gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. Let me tell you what that means so that we just clarify it so that we can use it to teach people something. This man gave his life to Christ. He had not forgiven his father. That's Simon. He's a sorcerer. You could see that this guy's quest in life was to be successful in life. He went into you know, occultism, learned some things. He began to carry, you know, sway everybody. They gave attention to him because of the funny things he used to do. Magical arts, magical work, what they thought was miraculous was that he used to do. So everybody followed him. Simon had to be in front. Did you understand this backbenching thing? Why? This, now, this is not this is script. Everything I've said so far in scripture, this one is not in scripture, just my own interpretation. Why? Because when he was young, somebody told him he would never do well. When he was young, they would be in class. His brothers did better than him. His sister did better than him. He, he, was, you know, he was clumsy. He couldn't do things properly. So as he grew up, he needed to prove everybody wrong. That desire to be successful was pushing him everywhere. So how will he get it? Join this particular group. They will teach you dark arts. Everybody will pay attention to you. And he did. And it worked. Then one day, Philip came with the gospel of God. And he saw the real power of God. And truly he was convicted. Truly he gave his life to Christ. There's no lie about it. He was baptized and he began to go around with Philip. Then Peter and John came. Hey, hey. Peter will do. Receive it. Four people will fall down under the power there. The rise of speaking in other tongues. John will do. Receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody on that side will go down. They'll be screaming the praise of God. They'll be having visions and revelations. Ah, ah. You know, Simon said, I thought Philip had the power. See real power. And you know, you see, they were transmitting it. So attention was on Peter and John. Now notice something. This was a man who was used to having the attention. Now, it's not the one kind of man of God's bag. Ah, uh-uh. now, that, now, that's where I'm going. That thing deep inside him now rose up again. How do I get into prominence again? He gave his life to Christ. That part of him had not been tackled. When a man is in the goal of bitterness, what, why, why bitterness? This is my own interpretation. Bitterness against those who told him you will never do well. He's still going out to prove to them that I will show you. Maybe his father disinherited him. His father had money. He didn't leave anything for him. So he's, he's gone out of his way to prove that I will be richer than my brothers. And my father will see it. You know what I did? Even though he has given his life to Christ, that threw him into the bondage of iniquity. You know what it means? Bondage. He couldn't help but sin. Except he forgives those people. And he confesses those things out of his life. He will keep on falling. That spirit was inside the man. So anybody that is a Christian, your spirit is not true. You have to constantly wash yourself with the word. We talked about that in the last few Tuesdays. You have to constantly, constantly, constantly purify your spirit. Because as long as that thing is there, anything you hear is false. Many people have heard a call to ministry. What they heard was a call to prominence. What they heard was a call to, you know, uh, daddy. Not the call daddy. Our father, our, our, our daddy, our daddy. And they like, ah, they must daddy me too now. Many people have gone to, look, is there a shortcut to importance in life? So you now see people bearing titles like Reverend Doctor, you go and see it. The doctor is one honorary doctorate degree that one school somewhere on the road to, no, no, where now? One village somewhere, they are just, and 
Many of you have gotten those emails. They want to give you honorary doctorate for the work you have done in society. And you're wondering which work died in society. I don't know about you. I have got, I, that, that is, I keep blocking them, blocking them. They, do, they send it all the time. They now show you, they put some prominent Nigerian's name on their board. Show you those who have collected. They come at, and the honorary certificate is free, but you come for graduation with 500,000. In case you do not know, is that 500,000 they are looking for? Because the gown is uh, 200, the procession is 100, the badge is 50. They just say that. And then, you know, it used to amaze me that people will pay. It's later I realized what my problem was. I didn't need their title. Those who need the title, they will pay. So you see one young boy inside a church, there are like 15 members there. How do I become important? First, it's so a very long robe. The low robe has to be long. Not these short things I'm wearing. I mean, full length. And now we have one long chain. They have to get a title. Of course, he's a pastor, so he's reverend. After the church has been in example for like 15 years, you go and join a college of bishops. They will now anoint him bishop. You know what is going on? He's in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. He's the reason why he will preach all kinds of lies. Is the reason, the reason why this pulpit becomes a prostitute pulpit. Anybody that can bring money can preach there. Why? The God of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. Say God according to him, God didn't cause nothing. What called him to ministry? Bitterness. The desire to be prominent in life. It's a shortcut. In a country like Nigeria, where we honor preachers a lot. It's a shortcut. I've seen it. They go to Bible school. The certificate they must collect. They frame it, put it on their wall. Then somebody sent them an email one day for 500000 You can get an MBA in two weeks. They will go. See them packing names. So, so then they, when they write their name down, Adam, um, what's the name of the Adam son that died now? Abel, Abel, Adam, Isaiah. Now I've seen all kinds of names. A, B, C, X, Y, Z, H, I, V. This one, there are all kinds of names. After they are, you'll be wondering. And they have certificates for everything. If they mistakenly go to America, Opari, America has schools that all they do is sell certificates. Yeah, you drop $10,000, you get a certificate. If you want a PhD. And it's a school. They will give you any certificate you want. That's how, you know, when we were doing this fight with our president at that time. You know, there was something somebody said. He said, you Nigerians are the ones that worry about these things, so. That's why Americans, they don't, your certificate doesn't matter to them. They want a transcript. Yeah, you know, if you go to American schools, you know, if you know that, that this, uh, our president, um, Chicago, you know, if there's something one of their people said that, it's you guys that worry about it because they know that they, they can get certificate they want anytime. There are schools that will give it to you. It's a free country. And really, my friend is a, my classmate, of course. When he wanted to move to Texas to practice, he has finished residency in New York. I had to take a drive to our university to go and get the provost of the school to certify that. He had a certificate. Too. Americans didn't care. They had to write to the university. university. The letter had to go to the university direct. They didn't got the letter. So the man then was delaying. So I had to go there and say, good morning, sir. You remember me, sir? Yes, hey, this person is my, one of us those days in school now. They had to write details of, yes, he was in school. This is what he did to send back to them. Otherwise, Texas was not going to give him a job, a license. Why am I saying so? 
There are people like that. They just be getting certificates. There are people up and down issuing it out. Why? They are in the gall of bitterness, the bondage of iniquity. That's what is calling them to ministry. They have to be important in life. It's the reason why when people tell me that God said to me, I said, Balaam hated God and he was wrong. Are you aware of that? God said, go. God said, God now sends an angel to kill him if he goes. Ah, is that not confusing enough? God said, go. And they sent an angel to kill you if you cross that line. If I was going, where would life pass? Would life fly? But he had God, but because his heart was wrong, what he had was dictated by the iniquity in his heart. Is the reason why I'm not impressed with God told me. I'm not saying he doesn't speak to people. I'm not saying he doesn't communicate with us specially. Please read my book, Get It by the Spirit. I talked about dreams. I talked about visions. I talked about angelic visitations. I talked about the voice of the Holy Spirit. I talked about visitation by the Lord Jesus Christ. There are different supernatural, spectacular ways by which he may communicate with people, but that's not fundamental. It's not fundamental. Fundamental thing that must have a right heart. I hope you're getting my point. That is what decides this direction you go. People come to me all the time and say, I'm living this language. I say, my spirit. No. See. This is your spirit. Don't deceive yourself that the spirit of God is not the same thing. Christians think that once you come in front of them and say, my spirit said, it means it is God. No. You know the meaning of your spirit? It means your spirit. Let me tell you what your spirit is in case you did not know. The bitterness that is inside there. The satisfaction that is inside there. The drive, your goal in life. What you really want to achieve. What is the deep-seated desire of your heart is what is called your spirit. So if he tells you, and you're right, leave Enugu and go to Lagos, don't think for a moment that it has to be the spirit of God. It may not be. Like my friend, Pastor Craig, we say, say before, and give him his words. He said before, and I used to hear him say it. <laughs> Even then when he used to say, I used to say, man of God, are you sure about this thing? He said he used to tell people that go and pray and hear God concerning what you want to do. He said, I don't say it anymore. We said, why? He said, I've realized that people always hear what they want to hear. <laughs> I said, oh God, I knew this thing long ago. People always hear what they want to hear. Say, young woman, an unbeliever wants to marry her. And he goes to pray. Listen, let me just tell you something. There are things you don't pray about. Let me give an example now. Assume you need money. Now bring 50 million naira. Now just go and help me testify. That this guy is the one that stole that uh, lump of gold we kept in that place. Take 50 million. Now, see, your rent you wanted to pay is only 600,000. Your brothers and relatives are asking for school fees, it's only 1.2 million. That car you wanted to complete payment, it's only one. So well, everything we finish with 5 million. And now I offer you 50 million. And you're not going to do much, just come to court. In fact, all you're going to say, yes, my lord. I get the lawyer to say, um, are you testifying that this is the man that took that gold in that bank vault? Because you two of you work in the same office, all right, that day. And you say, yes, my Lord. Yeah, you can step down. And 50 million. Now, now that's not my message. This is my message. If you pray about it, God will kill you. If you go and pray, Father God, should I take? God say, take, my son. I am the Lord thy God. 
who gives you richly all things to enjoy. I shall supply all your needs according to my riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My son, behold, a great and effectual door has been opened unto you. Don't mind the adversaries. I shall arise against your enemies. I shall conquer your adversaries. If your enemies will come like a flood, I will raise up a standard against them. My son, 15 million is your portion. Take it first. Next week, you will die of malaria. People are die of serious things. You will die of malaria. At least, you know, if motor jam you, you know you should die. Have you? If they shoot you, you're supposed to die. But when you just get small fever, you sneeze twice, you die. We don't say, now, nah, angel, kill you. I said, why did you kill him? He said, he came to pray. I, wait, it's not that, no, no, that he came to pray. It's what I'm judging him for. Have you not read? Thou shalt not be a false witness. Why is 50 million enough for us to be having a conversation on my commandments? You're deaf or something? You lack understanding? Okay, let's assume we've never had a commandment. So this man will go to prison and you will have peace of mind. There's a girl that used to live with us. I was telling my wife about it last week. We were just sitting in the house. I was just thinking about it. I said that girl was wicked. Yeah, she was very wicked. What was my reason? No, the last I heard of her, they called me that whether I could help with something. I did my best, but two days later, she was dead. She was, yeah, yeah, young girl, she was dead. She was sick. One thing I couldn't understand was that you steal something that's precious to me. And you see me sweating day and night, ransacking the whole house looking for it. Your conscience does not move you. You see my wife sit down, accuse somebody else who looks like a thief. Because she, she didn't look like a thief. She had this innocent, innocentic look. And you see quarrel in the house on, I kept my gold ring here. I can't find it. And you're the one that took it. And you just carry your face away like nothing happened. I say, it's that depth of wickedness I can't understand. Stealing is not a problem. I'm not saying it's good. But I see somebody in the, you see, Somebody told me recently that, oh, guy, you are hard. I said, no, I need to teach people the fear of God. I said, my wife, this is about three days ago. I said, man, this girl was wicked. I mean, I prefer a thief that snatches my bag and runs away. In which case, I know the bag was stolen. I know it has gone. I saw the thief looking like a spirit. And he said, there's peace of mind. I'm angry with you, but that kind of thief, God will have mercy on you. Because it didn't cause confusion too much in my soul. Where am I going? There are things you don't. So if you don't have that kind of love in your heart, you now come to God and say, Lord. Of course, the one you now do, <laughs> you now use the money and be helping his wife while he's in prison. You now come and testify and say, look, you know me, I normally don't take such thing, but that's the one I prayed. After I prayed, after I prayed, I just had peace in my mind that this was God. Opening the door of supernatural supplies. You know, that day, I just had peace. I just knew. And I began to see how the money would do good. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me. That's why I took it. I know what? Go and read Ezekiel chapter 14. God said, I'm the one that spoke to him. I'm the one that told him to take it. He said, I'm the one that prevailed upon the prophet. I made the prophet prophesy lies to him. Why? For daring to bring the iniquity in his heart before me to come and make inquiry of the Lord. 
Please, that's why I keep on preaching. I think it's one of the most important messages I preach. Please, purify your heart before you go and be praying nonsense prayer. Should you ever pray about such things? You should, this kind of prayer, you must pray if such things were to occur. Say, Lord, please, I want to come to you to tell this devil to get behind me. That money is enticing me too much. But you know I can't take it. So please, can you throw that man off a balcony so he'll break a leg and not come back? I hope you're getting my point. You are praying from the standpoint of nevertheless, not my will, but yours, which I know. I'm just asking for strength to do what I know is right to do. Not to be saying, like, should I go or should I not go? Please, what am I saying with all these things again? All right? It is to let us know that the spirit inside us is the thing that decides what we hear, what we do, where we go, where we don't go. So what's the point I'm making? Take heed to your spirit. That's, that's Everything I've said so far is to bring us back to that point again. Which is what? Take heed to your spirit. Take heed to your pursuit. Take heed to what is most important in life to you. These are the things that decide the decisions you make. Forget all this I, I prayed. One brother, <laughs> the way he talks is only, you know, it's the way you will talk, you just indict yourself. That you finish talking. <laughs> the lawyer will just look at you and say, I, don't say this in court. Say why? Because you go to prison. Like, you feel right, too. And I tell you, a lawyer, the lawyer just said, this was what happened. He said, yes. He said, please don't say this in court. Because if you say this, you are going to jail. So what do you mean? I'm telling you, don't say it. No matter how right you feel about some things, just don't say, <laughs> say it in court. Many of us eh, will open our mouth, feel very justified, then indict ourselves. Now you see what I'm saying. This brother, that's what he does. You say, are you saying that country? He say, yes. You say, Nigeria, this world. better go and pray, let God speak to you. Did you hear what I said? No, no, you didn't hear me well. If you heard me well, you'll have been falling from your chair. Your friend is calling you from Australia. He said, look, this trouble in Nigeria is too much. Are you sitting in that country? He said, yes, so. I thank God. God is taking care of us. Say, better go and pray. Let God talk to you. Did you catch that? That is, leave, come and join me in Australia. Go and pray and hear God say, go to Australia. We have already determined that's also what you are going to hear. We are not going to see God. Should I go or not go? You are coming. But because we are Christians and Pentecostals, we have to blame it on the Lord. So we will pray until God says, my son, arise. I have prepared a place of abundance for you. It's across the oceans, my son. And then you, hear, then you go to... Now, let me tell you something. Don't let prophets fool you. Prophets are also intimidated and they are also influenced by evil spirits. Sometimes the evil spirit from God. Using the one he gave to Saul. I'm say, Pastor Banky, are you using God? Give evil spirits. Did the Bible say he did or he did not? He did, though. He gave to Saul, though. Did the Bible not say, did the Bible not tell us that God sent the evil spirits to those false prophets of Ahab? Did God not say, who will entice Ahab to go to Ramoth Gilead? And a lying spirit said that we go. What did God say to the lying spirit? Go. And succeed in this evil plot. 
What did Ezekiel say in chapter 14? He said, if a prophet is prevailed upon to speak, I, the Lord, prevailed on him to lie to you. Go and read it now. Read verse from verse 7. Ezekiel 14. So, you can go to a church and the pastor will say, I'll see you in Australia by next week. He say, confirmation. <laughs> Listen, Ahab had confirmation to go to the battle where he died. That makes me laugh. When I hear this, ah, you are saying Enugu. Better go and pray. Let God speak to you so that He can come and join us in a Portacot. You are saying Oba. Better go and pray so that God will speak to you. And you go to Abuja. Who's the minister for the Attorney General of Nigeria now? Huh? Latif. Fagwemi. <laughs> My son, fuck with me, call it D. I hear it in my spirit. Fa, fa, is there any fa? Any fa? <laughs> any fa? Why? Because the heart was not cleansed. Because you made up your mind that my friend that came from Abuja last time, he came with a very high senatorial. Land Cruiser. That, that, that's what is pushing a lot of people, I'm telling you. I said, let God speak to you. So, ah, say, my wife, I need to pray. Why? I need to hear from God. Once you go like that, you have heard from God. Don't worry, you have heard. Did you hear what I said? You have heard from God. No, don't even bother. Sometimes people come to me and say, I say, that one you want to do, just do. Just do, because, you know... You know, because of streaming and all of that, and there are Jesus I would have loved to give. Some of them, you know, family Jesus and all of that. There are times people want to do something. My wife knows what I'm talking about. I just say, Le- leave the person alone. There's no talk you want to talk until this person satisfies himself or herself. They will never let go. So let, them, let the person exhaust himself. In a, you can see this pursuit is wrong. But go and pursue wrongly. They will pray for you that you will feel fast. Paradventure, you will retrace your steps. Such a, such a person, your prayer is that God, please. See, this my brother has gone mad. But I'm praying for him that he will feel fast in this stupid journey so he can come back. Because if you fail late, late failure is not good. Though. Let me just teach you one prayer you should pray. Just tell the Lord, say, dear Lord, Help me to fail early in the things I'm not supposed to be doing. Now, that's not a joke. You must pray that prayer. Dear Father, help me to fail fast in that which I'm not supposed to be doing. It's easier to retrace your steps. If God kept you in Enugu and you decided to move to Abuja, you should pray that within the first one or two years, the landlords there will eject you, police will arrest you. They will detain you. They, after two days, they are wondering, why did you even arrest you in the first place? They can't even remember. <laughs> you committed one crime. Can you remember? This officer, I can't remember. DPO, please, why did we lock this guy up? Ah, you were the one that brought him that he was, it's even me, I can't remember. Just know it's God that locked you up. You know what happened? An angel collected you, dashed the police. <laughs> then when they want to investigate the case, they can't remember. So they will release you. Once they release you, take the next bus. Don't go and park up. 
Please, I'm begging you, don't go and park. Once you come out of that station, when a DPO tells you, you can't remember why you were detained. As you come out, Otaku, uh, Otaku, when you reach there, because they'll give you back your phone, call one of your friends, please. I have an OP account. Can you wire some money? Just pay for a ticket. Enter the bus. They say that the bus is not leaving till tomorrow morning. They say, I'll wait here. Just sit at the park. Then when you come back and I ask your neighbors, can let me pick something in that house, put it in that next bus and send it. It's God that's answering your prayer. That the one that he didn't send you, you failed early in it. Because if you stayed there for longer than you are supposed to stay, you will, you will leave the place like Lot. And you don't want that kind of experience. What should be the spirit of the believer? I've tried to emphasize what wrong spirits do to us. Having meditated, and that's the real message actually I brought here today. Please, let me say this again. God did not call us to succeed in life. He called us to obey him. He called us to imbibe his word. What people call success is a gift. Your time, Neku? God did not call us to succeed in this life. He called us to obey him. That was why he told Joshua, if you are going to succeed, go and obey. He said, then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. How do you do that? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate there in day and night. What's the purpose? So as to be able to observe, so as to observe to do all that is written therein. He said, then all other successes shall be what? Added unto you. You know what that means? He said, okay, but we are still succeeding. No, no. There's a practical thing to it. It means you will tell God, if obedience to you makes me feel, let me feel in joy. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because, you know, one of the problems we have had in today's faith teaching is that we think faith guarantees us our own results. Please, you want to hear the truth? It does not. I need to say that again. You know, I've seen faith teachings that appear as if you can control your life. May God frustrate you early when you are believing that nonsense. Yeah, because it's not true. Faith does not mean you can control your life. Jesus actually told Peter straight. A time will come. People will lead you to where you don't even know they are going. And that was a prophetic word. Faith does not mean, you know, this teaching of faith that we try to imbibe. Now, you know, I told you long-term plans is long-term you know what they call it now? A mental exercise, you don't have work. The idea is some people will come, come and give you, you just know they are jobless. Tell the person, just go and be digging gutter. They are digging gutter somewhere near our street now. You know, they are trying to do the road there. Just join them. You know, the idea, the reason is that when you are digging like that, you won't have time for rubbish thoughts. When you are not doing anything, somebody is giving you food. You will now be discussing that, uh, I, I'm going to sit down and go to and it's going to make me a major distributor. For the fuel is producing from this month, and then we are going to move it across um, to Enugu, and then from Enugu we now take some to Bielsa. From Bielsa, okay. So what we need right now for the first stage is an investment of like twenty or uh, fifteen billion naira. I think uh, Mrs. Banky should be able to give me like one billion, and then I'll go and meet a maker, bring her under one billion, and they say, Ah, Steve has promised me under one billion. I say, Pastor, please can you pray that this thing? And I'll just pray for Father God, give this guy a digger's job. Yeah, because. <laughs> This one you are doing is joblessness. You just don't have anything you are doing. You are going to meet Dangote. Do you know the address of his house? 
Where's his office? You know, see, when they are Pentecostals who claim they have faith, now we prophesy in the morning, in the name of Jesus, Dangote is waiting for me. Uh-huh. He shall wait. He shall not go anywhere until he sees me. Say, but let's go to church this morning. People come, Kabola, Kosh, Haba, Hadis. I sit down. Oh, my spirit says, your spirit is confused. You know what's confused your spirit? I do this. I do this. You should go and take a digger's walk. If you dig for two, first two days, you know, you have blisters. After one month, your hand is hard. Then God will know where to catch you. You know, when you are sitting there, you are eating well, you'll be plotting the rescue of the Jews. Your name is Moses. When they make you a shepherd in the wilderness, and they say, let's go and deliver the Jews. You say, I'm busy. My sheep, they are call- My sheep knows my voice. They are calling me. You are not going to go anywhere. Joblessness makes a lot of faith people just be dreaming of nonsense things. They write plans and say that by faith they will bring it to pass. Faith does not mean you can with your own plotting decide what your life will be like. That's not what faith means. Faith means that you understand that God has a plan and you obey him on a day-to-day basis and he will lead you into the plan he has for your life. That's what faith is. You cannot have a long-term plan and expect that you're walking to because you have faith. When Jesus says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That's why I say, look, you're going around saying you don't have, you don't have work. God said, look, this, you're just lying. They've given you four jobs in the, last four, in the last one month. You don't like them. Why don't you take one of those jobs and say, guys, please, let me work for you for six months. Is that okay? And they say, they say God said, take it, wait there for six months. I will find you there when I need you. I'll be tracking the whole of Enugu every day. Tell me that there's no work. You know, I don't believe that this, there's no work thing. I hope, you, I hope you know it's not true. I hope you know it's not true. When they tell that unemployment in Nigeria is 25%, they say it's not, it's not true. It's, it's a lie. What we have in Nigeria is 20 If people who don't want to do their available jobs, who think that if, MT, if MTN and Dangote Refinery and um, um, uh, Nigeria Breweries, and, in fact, let's even leave those people out. Even the banks are looking for workers they can't get. How many of you have your bank apps been failing you in the last few weeks? I'm seeing hands go up. Uh, the rest of you don't use bank apps. Do you know why? All their technical people don't run. No, when they tell me that there's no job in Nigeria, I say, are you, are you, are you, are you like they say, are you, are you spoofing me? Are you joking with me? No, you can't be serious. The amount of vacancies available to suck people in is unbelievable. What we have is just two things. Number one, people are too greedy who don't want to work. That's why people will leave private companies and rush for federal government job. Why? They don't want to work. Federal government pays you whether you go to work or you don't go to work. To sack you is one of the hardest. It's easier to pass through the eye of a needle than to sack a federal civil servant. How you want to sack him? How you want, no. Which method do you, it's like working in France. How you do, you, you, you know, French people. America, you can come to work in the morning, your guy looks at you. Why are you wearing this kind of glasses? He sacks you. And you can't do anything. You can go to court. The court will look like, the man said he doesn't have money to pay again. France, you, he can't sack you. French people, let me not go there. <laughs> Where I'm going is that when they tell you there is no work, it's shocking. What you have is people who don't want to work, number one, and number two, people who can't work. They don't have the skills. Please, we'll be doing business by the Spirit later in the week. We'll talk about that. Please, go and sharpen your skills. Can I digress for a moment? Get up and go and sharpen your skill. You can't say you finish university. They tell you they, they, you have a BS in computer science, and you don't know the way they are coding in 2023. The one you learned is one that uh, 1986. Please, I hope you're getting my point. How did I get into that? Maybe two jobless will listening to me that God wanted to rescue. 
And I can't remember what I was saying. How did I get there? No, I know what I was saying. So I was trying to emphasize to us that, see, don't have this impression that you can prepare your life towards your path of success as far as you are concerned and expect God to just confirm it the way you have determined it. And I'm saying it doesn't work like that. There's a reason why I said that. There's a reason why I said that. What are we pursuing in life? What should be our deep-seated desire? Our deep-seated you know, spirit, that's the word. It's just three things. I was trying to bring them, bring them up for us. Just three things. Now, please, let these three things be the guiding spirit of your life. I thought about this. I can't find the fourth one. Please, when you are making decisions, ask yourself, are these things inside my heart? I'll list them, okay, let me, I'll list them in a moment. But let me quickly talk about the good things that would take you away from them. I'm talking about the bad ones, right? Some of them. There are some good things that I found out will even take us away from things like this. When we talk about the principle of Satan, when Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, there was just one thing he was concerned about. That is, anything in life that is more important than the pleasure of God in your life is of Satan. What do I mean? One moment, Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, right? A short while after, he was saying to the same Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because you see, what happened was that as soon as Jesus said, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus now said, oh, good. Now you people are open for the next level of revelation. So he began to teach them that he was going to suffer in Jerusalem and then be crucified according to the will of God. Peter said, lie, lie. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Why did he say that? He said, you are not minding the things of God, but you are minding the things of man. Now, many times we are minding the things of man is of Satan, but it looks good. Let me give you an example. I told you, this is my perfect illustration. Years ago, a friend of my childhood friend came to see me. And he was about to leave the country then to go to another country, all right, to, so that he may make some money. And he told me the reason why. So I was trying to think that, why now? Just relax, you know. I've always had this attitude, relax, look at where God wants you to be and all of that. He said, no, no, that I can say that too, but he can't. I said, why can't you? He said, because the family needs money. And because the family needs money, he has to go and look for money. He told me about one of his siblings that needs to have a major surgery and that somebody has to come up with the money, and that's why he has to leave and all of that. As soon as he left, I've told the story many times, I realized that all my life I've been so occupied with this will of God thing that I did not seriously consider the people around me. If I had this conversation with some, of, uh, some young doctors in my office a few days ago, and this lady was my student, but we're just talking about those days in Nigeria when people said that things are bad. And I said, you were not there when? I said, no, you guys were too young. Because they are young. These people are young. They are, they are late 20s, early 30s. So they don't know how bad things were when we were just leaving school. In case you don't know, I graduated 32 years ago from university, 1991. All right? So when I tell you things were bad at the time, you most likely did not experience it. You were not born then. That day I was, I was irritated by the lady. I said, you are arguing with me when you were not even born when this thing happened. If you were born, you were a toddler. I'm talking about 1989, 90 into 95, 97. How old are you? In fact, one of her friends had to quickly tap her to be silent. Yeah, things were better then. I said, my salary as a doctor was $70 a month. I said, how much do you guys earn now? $300. And that's because of the recent crash in the Naira. 
So what are you talking about? If we just come, let's use dollars to ca- calculate. I earn less than seventy dollars a month. So you tell me things. Uh, yeah, you guys are having a rough. And I said no. These are days when I didn't. I couldn't buy my shirts new. We had to buy used shirts. And I was a doctor in Lagos. All my lecturers left. What's going on right now in Nigeria? That happened that time. Everybody left when I was in school. Everybody went to Saudi, you know, Kuwait. I had to go and get something to, you know. Now, it's the midst of all of this that somebody like me was doing the will of God. So you can understand when my friend said that, I just realized I'd never thought about other people. Seriously, now, for your information, the little I had, I shared though. Don't think I ate my money by myself. No, I, God has never made me that kind of person. As it comes out, we share. Some of my friends said it. What came to me that day was my wickedness, my self-centeredness. And I laid down, and as, as soon as he left, I started crying. I, that is, I wept. I laid down. I was alone in my apartment. I went into the room side of it. That's where the apartment is divided by a big wardrobe into the bedroom side and the sitting area. I just went to the bedroom side, laid down, and began to weep. And when I say weep, I was weeping profusely. Like, how could I be this stupid and this selfish? Will of God, will of God. How is that helping my parents? How is it helping my siblings? How is it helping people around me? After I don't cry, no God, oh, I love him. Father God, love you. Jesus Christ, all these people are looking at me. I like imagine the talk said the foolish boy will soon stop crying. Leave him. After I calm down, I can say it boldly, and I know I'm correct. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Except a man hates his father and mother and brothers and sisters, he can't be my disciple. There was no comfort of the spirit. Steve, don't worry. Will we may endure for a night? Joy comet in the morning. I didn't hear anything like that. He that endures to the end shall be saved. I didn't hear anything like that. There was no word of comfort. My wife is telling me something that you are too hard. Can't you just give me a soft word? I said, let me tell you the truth first. Before we go to soft word. I have to tell you the truth first now. He said, just a soft word. Eat the hard word first. They will not soften it after a while. Who can't be using soft word to deceive you? Sometimes being a man of God is not very romantic. Praise God. Please, so don't go home and be harassing your wife. Say, hey, from now on, no soft word in this house. You will hear it the way it is. If you don't like it, I don't care. Please, some wicked men have been using me as an excuse to trouble their homes. Please. It's not me that sent you. One woman came and told my wife once, that my husband says that Pastor Parker said that your mind is not supposed to be nice. <laughs> Judah, when did I say that? <laughs> Judah said, I've never said it. I, the only thing I said that niceness is less important than some other things. The woman came and told my wife oh, that my husband said he's not supposed to be nice. That Pastor Banky said a man is not supposed to be nice. Ah. Ask my children whether I'm nice. My daughter is squeezing her face. Let me check. I'm not your husband. How will you know? <laughs> that is good. 
See, God didn't give me a word of soft word. No, those kind of soft words. I give it, I give it to the way he gave it to me. He said, except a man hates his father, mother, brothers, and sisters, he cannot be my disciple. So I realized. That was later when I read what Oswald Chambers had to say. He said, the cost of discipleship is not what it costs you. He says, what it costs those that he love. How do you think James and John, their father felt when they abandoned the fishing family business? I want to be walking around with Jesus Christ. The father didn't mind when they were with John. You know why? They used to go to John in the morning. You know, they go fish overnight. Then after they've rested, they go with John. They went with Jesus like that for a few days. After a while, Jesus chose them and they had to abandon everything. How do you think their father felt? How do you think the father of Elisha felt? Elisha was a wealthy landowner. Taking over a family business. Elijah came, boom, threw a mantle on him. And Elisha had to kill the oxen. Take the yokes and used to burn them. Left behind. By the time you are, you are plowing with, is it 12 yokes? Is it 12 oxen or 24 oxen? Please, you can check it later. You are not plowing the back of your house. You are not plowing one acre. When you are using 12 yokes, you are plowing a large segment of land. And the man walked away from it. How do you think his father felt? You can't even walk and go and walk away and go and work for the king. Elisha was one guy with long hair, long beard, wore a robe, and trekked up and down. Didn't have a house. Couldn't pay for a hotel. How do you know? Didn't you see the man, woman said I had to wear to me? <laughs> Some of you are enjoying Christianity. Some of those men who follow God those days, they looked funny. They trekking up and I say a prophet. Prophet, those are not these are modern day prophets. I don't want to be a prophet Elijah, like Elijah. But Elijah, that's physically speaking. But the guy had power. Kings shook when he appeared. Then he shook when Jezebel appeared. <laughs> Man, wicked women are wicked though. <laughs> but I'm trying to bring out something that the Lord made it clear. See, making your family problems, priority before my problem is of Satan. The man who used to call me those days, used to call me from somewhere in Anambra, like when he went on radio. He says, what you are doing now, sir, is what I believe I should be doing. So I said, why are you not doing it? He said, family responsibilities. I told him flat, oh boy, leave that, you know. He said, I was working in the bank. The bank paid him enough money to take care of family responsibilities. But if you understand, he didn't have enough time to take of any other thing. And any time, once he turns the radio and I start preaching, he starts seeing himself. That this is what I am supposed to be doing. So I said, then start doing it now. He said, I don't understand. I thought I was talking to some, of, some young doctors the other day. Yes, I was going somewhere with that gist. So one of them, when I told them how bad things were, one of them now said something. In fact, the other one I told the colleague to calm down. He said that, are you a firstborn? Like a first son? I said, well, yes, technically. No, her own problem was that. Were there not family? He said, are you, not supposed, you know the way it is in our culture. Were there not family responsibility you're supposed to help your parents with? You know the answer I gave her? I said, I was not the firstborn. My other brother died shortly before. So what did my parents do about that? That was the answer I gave. I said, no, I wasn't a firstborn, a first son. 
I ascended the position after I lost the, the older one died. I said, so what did they do? If you want to use firstborn to harass God, God said, what are I taking me away? What do you do? When I take him away, what will you do? She kept quiet. I said, there was nothing they could do. He wasn't sick. He got up, I'm traveling. The car had an accident. He didn't come out of the accident alive. So you want to use that one to harass God? God said, back though. Let's not have some painful discussion. So, Kenahagin's wife complained. God told her to her face. I will take him away. You will never see him again. Why? Because the man used to travel for weeks. Eh, every woman has a husband with her. I'm the only person I'll be going. <laughs> My wife used to talk that kind of nonsense before. <laughs> I'll just be going to play. I'll just be going all by myself. I said, then Kuku don't go. Because, you see, if you think I'll follow you, I'm not going to follow you. But if you think I'll just be going by myself, then stay at home all by yourself. Then nobody will know that your husband is not following you. I'm not your jewelry. I'm not your ghillie. He said, I just came back from that program. I was the only one sitting on my table. Why didn't you just stay at home? Then nobody would have known that you're not sitting on your table. Listen, I'm a man of God. <laughs> I'm a man of God. Can I guess why I used to grumble like that? And then one day she was in the kitchen. She just heard somebody say, I could take him away, and you would never see him again. So she turned, who's there? Check the house. There was nobody there. My mind is playing tricks on me. On that day, she was walking. She doesn't heard it again. I could take him away, and you would never see him again. The same thing. She didn't see anybody, but she heard the words clearly. Who's playing with my mind? Then the day the husband heard what she was saying, that listened, hearkened onto her voice, and obeyed and said to settle down because he too was frustrated. As he came to that church, he collapsed and died. End quote. She was someone they called her, your husband has collapsed. So she, and she saw them trying to you know, resuscitate him in CCPR, her mouth to mouth respiration. Told everybody, please leave him, leave him, leave him. Everybody moved back. She knelt down and said, God, please, I will never complain again. And the man rose up and he was well. She understood what happened. It's in the book of Exodus chapter 4. Moses almost lost his life for that same reason. So let's be careful because I want to read out some things that are most important to us. Don't use all that things. So that young lady was saying, ah, you didn't have family responsibility. How did you my I didn't give her an explanation. This was what I did. I just said, hey, okay, listen. I wasn't teaching them spiritual things, so I couldn't say all of these things. But I just said to her simply, I lost an elder brother around that time. And my parents you are talking about couldn't bring him back to life. So they had better be happy I remained alive. If only to say that my son is there, that's good enough. But of course, as time passed, I thank God for the little I was able to you know, do for them. One day I, go with, I go, went over for Christmas. My wife and I, that was the year after we got to Enugu. Christmas time. It was a car I drove down. I gave my father the keys. I tell, look, I, I tell him, anything you want, don't worry. Just don't come and harass me. I should come and build the house. And the only one who will fight over. But any other thing, just ask. I do it. If I try to save your will, and you lost me five years after that period, what will you say? What I'm saying is that many times, the will of man 
the will of our society is a thing that pulls us away from the will of God. You can never satisfy your people first. God takes offense at that. Said the other time, after I married, I understood the meaning of the word jealousy. That God is a jealous God. That it's offensive to a man. That his wife wear clothes he doesn't like because people outside like it. Love it, I hope you are hearing it. You sew, you sew all kinds of styles. You look at yourself in the mirror, you like it. Your husband doesn't like it. Then as soon as you step out, Pastor come they say, ah, love it, you are looking nice. He say, thank you, sir. Maybe me say, come. Ah, love it, you are looking very nice. Ah, thank you, sir. You look at your husband and say, you know no book. <laughs> you have just sinned. It's a sin. You have just told your husband that Pastor Kimde's opinion and Pastor Banky's opinion is more important in your appearance than your husband's own. And that's, an, that's iniquity. Some people don't understand some things. Your wife is a glory of the pastor. Is the glory of who? Many times we are trying to save the will of man. I was telling you, that's when I learned jealousy. God is a jealous God. If God say go to A, say, Lord, please, I will go to A, but let me go to B first so that my father will not be unhappy. So God says, okay, you don't want your father to be unhappy, but I can be unhappy. This is how you address God. Say, Lord, I will go to A. My father wants me to go to B and he will be sad. Please, can you take care of him for me? Because now you have sense. Now your brain is working. Then you head for that A and you pray for your father. The heartbreak will not kill him. The will of man is what takes us away from this simple four things that should make up our spirit. It's not hard. I'm not bringing one fantastic revelation. Number one, what am I pursuing in life? Whatever I'm doing in life, primary focus for me is, am I being transformed to the image of Christ? My greatest achievement in life is that by the time I'm through with this life, I am as much like Jesus Christ as, as is possible. As I keep on telling people, see, please don't be angry with me. Some people have this idea, but Pastor Bang doesn't believe in people traveling. When you are like that, you don't listen to me. It's clear. And I don't have answer for people like you. You don't listen to me. You don't. What I say is that you cannot let comfort drive you up and down. You cannot let hardship, the attempt to escape from hardship, drive you up and down. What I preach is that geographical location is not a game of chance. It's a divine ordination. It's divine arrangement. What I preach is that, I've gotten to know of the minister, who got, he saw a vision. He never knew where it was. But somewhere is in Kogi or Bene, what they call Jagba. One place. Some of you may know those stories. The Lord revealed to him to come down to Africa and go there. And it was a small town in Adakwara, Kogi, Bene, Axis. All the way from either in America or UK. What I preach is that a man like, what's his name? The Elisha man. Is it? Pyelton. Left. He could have stayed in Lagos, he did not stay. He could have stayed in Ibadan, he did not stay. But he went to Elisha and stayed there. Why? That was where the spirit indicated. What I say is that Jesus said a prophet will not die except in Jerusalem. That his death had to be in Jerusalem. So no matter how they threatened him elsewhere, he was not afraid. What I preach is that the love of this world can move them to Thessalonica and abandon the call of God for his life. That's what I preach. What I preach is that you can't go to Joppa if God says go to Nineveh. 
What I preach is that before you rush headlong into Sodom, know that the judgment of Sodom is coming one day. Why don't you make plans for your life concerning how do I escape Sodom? Do I have to go there? That's what I preach. What I preach is that you're not born by chance. You're not born by accident. And your life is not about making money, about living a comfortable life. A young man came to help me out with something then. The young doctor came to my household, was making plans. He said, he's going traveling. But I said, no problem with that. For goodness, I was not born in Enugu. I did not travel to Enugu. He said, a form of abroad. <laughs> ah, even I'm the kind who has his way. I'll be living in a foreign country. <laughs> Do you get my point? So I'm not saying that that's not as if nobody ever does that. What I'm just saying is that before you change geography, and I heard it, I, I quoted Derek Prince for you the other day, and please allow me to read what Derek Prince said again. He, now listen, this is a man who should know. Apart from the fact that he's a Christian and knew the Lord, he was born in India of British parents, educated back home in in England, in the best schools. Then from there, he went to the Second World War as a soldier in the British Army. And then he landed in today's Palestine, what is Israel now. And God made it clear to him, you, he wanted to go back home to go and see his beloved grandfather, who was old and sick, and was only alive because he kept on praying for him. He was convinced of that. And the Spirit told him clearly, that you have just one chance. You can take that ticket, board the boat, and go back to England. Or you can wait in Jerusalem until you get further instructions. Now, I'm adding my own words now, the last sentence I made. And he waited until his pain, his grandfather died without seeing him. And the first wife God told him to marry, clearly, was 25 years older than him. And who had adopted about eight children, seven children. And God, you, know, you think you are the only one God is thinking about? Why do you think like that? I reasoned about it. God was not, there are pretty sick. God said, I want to take care of my daughter, so go and help me. Many of us think I was the only one God is thinking of. I reasoned about it. He said, hey, this girl left Denmark, came all the way down to Palestine here because she believed that's why I sent her. She was obeying my spirit. She took all these children and been taking care of them through poverty and everything. She was a teacher back in Denmark. Now I want her to be comfortable. He used to spend a lot of time hanging around the house. The oldest girl in the house, everybody thought that's the person he, he was chasing. When they found out there was their mother he wanted to marry, they were in shock. And when the woman had a conference with the daughters, because they were all girls, and they were asking her a lot of questions, and she said something. Like something like, I can't remember the exact words, but look, all of you are going to leave me one day. I also deserve to be happy. So many of us think I was the only one God is thinking of. I look at it, I say, God wanted to take care of that woman. So he gave her an extremely handsome, that guy is one of the most intelligent human beings I've ever listened to. He will tell you things like, um, um, I can teach Greek at university level. So it doesn't mean I know everything, but it means I'm entitled to my opinion. Yes. A man who God ended up 
you know, use it. Of course, she died in her 80s. He was still relatively young then. Well, I mean, he was 60-something when the woman died. Do you understand? But he'll tell you that she lived the, the latter part of her life, her life in extreme comfort. So she lived in the best house she had ever you know, seen when they were living, I think, in Florida. I looked, I looked about it. I looked at it later. I said, oh, it wasn't the real prince God was concerned about. It was this woman. I gave the girls a father. That's what I preach. That your life is not yours to just make any decision you like concerning. And you bring it to him to stamp it. The fact that God is blessing you and you're obeying God, is not, it doesn't mean you will have everything you want, materially speaking. That's what I preach. That you learn to endure hardship as a true soldier of Christ. That's what I preach. Hardness is not enough reason to abandon your duty post. That's what I preach. Please don't misquote me. Quote me fully. A young man came to see me that day. And I asked him, he says about to leave the country. I asked him a simple question. Why? It's just a simple, I wasn't angry. Why should I be angry? Am I your father? I just said, why? He said, I believe that I should get the best in life. And I told him, that is where you and I are different. I said, I was created to give the best in life. I told him flat. I said, I believe wherever I go, I should give my best in this life. You know, I was telling my wife the other day, was it over, yesterday and over the last few days, you may know how many times people have come to me, held me and said, thank you. Do you know how many times? What did Paul say? Even though I'm being poured out as a drink offering, as long as it's in the sacrifice of your face, it's on the sacrifice of your face, he said, I'm satisfied. I, you know, I was into one uh, clip from, uh, okay, yes, it was uh, Kingdom World Radio, one of the things you guys put together as those um, stuff. It was a clip by Derek Prince from Derek Prince because it was played yesterday as we were going home. My kids and I were in the car just listening to Kingdom World Radio. And Derek Prince said that no soldier has ever joined the army on the condition that he will not get killed. He said, in fact, joining the army means you have signed that I may get killed. He was saying that Christians don't understand that being Christians means that you have joined the army of God. And I take believers, so you cannot tell me I should rearrange my life just because I'm uncomfortable. I've not been killed yet, though. I've not been killed yet, though. I'm just uncomfortable. Say, but I'll go and hear God. Let him tell you to move away from that. Once you say that, I know you and Satan eat from the same pot. And he has whispered nonsense into your ears. And you have given me one more thing to resist. What are you talking about? I've been saying it again and again. People preach God and hear God. I don't preach it. Not because God doesn't speak to people. But just like my friend Pastor Courage says, people hear what they want to hear. I say go and learn the truths about life. Go and learn what I call the wisdom of God. Go and learn the wisdom of God. Go and learn it. What is the wisdom of God? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. What is the wisdom of God? I've been created to be a blessing. I just talked about Derek Prince now. It's an example. What's the wisdom of God? The man sacrificed though. He said, at the age of 40, I had no money, no house, no bank account, and most importantly, 
no plan. People are saying that if you don't have a house, you don't have land at the age of 40, you have to go and pray. Nonsense. The man said at the age of 40, he had this wife and he had children. These adopted girls, eight, seven of them, because he adopted the eighth one when he came to come and work in Kenya. His last, well, not maybe, the, no, that's not the smaller, but that, the last one of those girls was a little girl given to him when he was in Kenya. Very black girl, African girl. He said, and they were all, the other seven were there then with this woman. And he said, I had no money. I had no house. I did not have a bank account. And most importantly, I had no plan. This was after they left Palestine when war broke out. That's when they left. They came back to UK, came back to London. And in London, they had to separate the family. No, I mean, <laughs> those of you who know London, where you won't see one house, we will carry. Ten, ten people. So the family was separated here and there. Two of you stay with one auntie, stay with one. That's Yet he would go out, stay on the street and be preaching. Then one day he saw one small girl preaching somewhere and some people were you know, heckling her and trying to harass her out of that. So he went there to go and defend the girl only to find was one of his daughters. People can't take small hardships say that they, they, they take light. You know, it's very annoying, though. You live a life without purpose. You can't even say what you are living for more than food. The only sign that you are doing well is that you open your bank account, you see money there. You know, say it decrease. So just the money you see, that's a sign you are doing well in life. You are not normal. Like one brother said, if I was in Nigeria, do you think I'll have this kind of house? Who cares? Who cares? One clown came here one day. When we were in the office, I said, after 10 years in ministry, I can't be in a place like this. I said, you're a fool. Where was Paul after 10 years in ministry? You can't be in a place like this. At that time, Kingdom was broadcasting on 15 radio stations nationwide. You think money is our problem? You think if I wanted to build a bungalow and be sitting and say I'm the pastor of a bungalow church, you think I can't do that? It's just I take my joy in something different. Preaching on the platform of Kingdom was in the year 2003. 20 years this year. Eh? I can give you almost every message I've ever preached minus two or three. I'm not talking about two messages a year. I'm talking the year in which on the average turned out over 50, no, now over 80 messages each year. I can give you all of them. You're looking at the building where, that I'm in. One day they came all the way from Abuja, decided to pay pilgrimage. When she entered kingdom, she burst into laughter. So this is where they are. Now, she wasn't insulting. In fact, she wasn't confessing herself. Like, What? This is where you are transforming our lives from. Who has ever asked Paul what he built? As long as you have what they call the New Testament and only one man wrote half of it, or two-thirds. You want to know what Paul wrote? Read your Bible. Romans, two letters of the Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, two letters of the Thessalonians, two to Timothy, two to, uh, one to Titus, one to Philemon. And the book of Hebrews. I have no shadow of doubt in my mind that I wrote the book of Hebrews. In case you want to know why, I found that there was no doubt until recently. That's my reason. No? I found that all the, all the early fathers ascribed it to Paul. Then if you, 100 or 200 years, someone said that there's no proof. I said, you are looking for proof. After 2,000 years, are you normal? Those who were there 50 years after, 
They said he wrote it. They are looking for proof after 2,000 years. You're not okay. Half of, now that's just giving a rough estimate. Half of the Christian world listen to or hear his quote every day. You're asking, what did he build? All those who built mansions that time, where are they? They passed away. Their mansions passed away. People of God, that's what I preach. What I preach is that be careful that you don't abandon God's purpose for your life. Be careful that you don't abandon God's call for your life. Be careful that you don't abandon God's situation or location for your life. That's what I preach. So my first point that should be the spirit inside a Christian is what? Christ-likeness. Everything I'm doing, I must become a better believer. Number two, I must be fulfilling my destiny my calling. At least I should, you know, like I say, I say something about grace. Grace is released once you change your thought process. Just change your thought process. This decision I want to make, deep inside my heart, is it the will of God? That's all. Is it in line with the destiny that God gave to me? I tell you the story of my friend Pastor Courage all the time in that area. Being a British citizen, one day his siblings just said, no, I think it's time. He was in the university then. To move to the UK. So he said, okay. They began to help him to arrange, get his, um, get all his, uh, you know, documents and his, get his passport out and all of that. So he told one of his friends that I'll soon be leaving school. Uh, why? Because I'll be moving over to UK. Now what I'm telling you is 30 years ago, not today. And the brother said, oh, that's very nice. So, so you are going to be, you're not going to be living in England. He said, yes. He said, oh, that's very, very good. As long as that's what God wants for you. This was his word to me. He said, as soon as he said it, I knew it was not. There was no matter of prayer. He said, as soon as he uttered this speech, that as long as it is the will of God for you, I knew it was not. You see, he said, as soon as he uttered the words, I knew it wasn't. There was a time I went to relocate from Lagos. I moved somewhere a bit, middle belt, you know, not central. And I went to church, bought a tape. Bishop Bidipo did not mention my name. He didn't know I was there. He preached the message months before. He didn't know I was trying to make a decision. Oh, no, I didn't know I had made a decision. I just listened to him preach for about 45 minutes. And as soon as the message was over, I knew it was not the plan of God. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. It turned out later. It was years later, a few years later, I realized that where God wanted me to go to was Enugu. Not where I was facing so what is the spirit inside my heart? One, that I want to be a better believer. That this world is not my home. Second point, that I must be fulfilling. That there's a destiny, there's a calling, there's an assignment, there's a reason why God gave me life. I must be fulfilling it. And number three, this is my third spirit, focus on the earth. Paul said, I want to know him. And what? The power of his resurrection. That that should be the thought in your life. Focus. That I may manifest God on this earth. I have not found this fourth thing. Everything I found is centered around these three. That should be your spirit. Now when these things are inside your heart, manifest in different ways. Decision making will not be hard. That is, look, we can make all kinds of decisions. You have to decide what to wear in the morning, what to eat in the evening. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you have to make critical decisions that will please God. Decisions that, will be, decisions that will be in life, line with what God wants you to do. 
they can't be made unless these things are in your heart. I don't know whether you get my point. See, that's why I keep on saying, I don't believe on it. Go and pray, let God speak to you. No. Go and pray, let God change you. Because Jesus said, there are things I want to say. Even if I were to shout it loud, you can't even hear it. It's because of my wife the other day. I was just analyzing one particular man. It was based on an experience. I just said, he said, no, I just want to do what God wants me to do. I said, sweetheart, I wish I could tell this person that that's not the problem you have. Right now, you have not developed Christ-likeness. So, you are pursuing God in different ways. A man came to me in our old office. This was long ago, more than 10 years ago. This was nothing less than 15 years ago. Then I could see everybody that wanted to see me. Not now. Now, I'll bounce you nicely. There are many men around me who you have to talk to first. Just to give me peace of mind, that's it. The people I talk to are only people I know well. Because I know, you understand, we can talk. But just coming from outside, I don't know you. Those days I could allow it. Because I think that was the day I saw him. He told me all the story of his life. How he was frustrated. What was frustrating him? He just realized I wasn't doing that which was pleasing to God. How did he know? I don't know. He said he has worked in church. He has worked. He's a worker. He's a star worker. And that he says, sir, I've even gone to Bible school. They don't know what the problem is. They just feel inside him that he's not getting his right. And as I was talking, I was looking at him and praying, God, give me a word for this fellow. The Lord gave me a very clear word for him. I said to him, you have gotten it wrong. You are trying to work for somebody you don't know. I said, resign from working in church. That's not what you need. Nobody needs you to work. God doesn't want you to work. He said, you don't know anything. You don't know me. You just want to work for me. You want to satisfy your conscience that I have worked. I told him, go. Go and resign from all the work you are doing. Don't go do any work again. Look for a church where you can just go sit down and learn the word. Learn about Christ. Learn about God. Learn scriptures. Become a better Christian in your heart and spirit. Not running up and down trying to achieve something. You want to get, you want to go to heaven and hold the ten souls you want for God. You ain't holding nobody. I hope you're getting my point. You are going all by yourself. How can you hold ten souls when you are going at different times? Some of the souls you want, they went ahead of you. Some will come 20 years after you. How do you hold them? And then they are holding others. This is not a pyramid scheme. Network market. I want network God for heaven. That's what they are trying to do. I said, no, that is not what you need. And that was the answer of the spirit I gave him that. And of course, I saw it in his face that I gave him the answer he required at that time. What am I saying? See, people of God, these are the things that should be central in our hearts. Once they are there, you know what? Doing the right thing becomes easy. Some temptations of people have, I don't have them. And I thank God for it too. Some temptations to have, should I go for here and go and look for money? <laughs> you know why I don't have it? It's not because of, I mean, my wife can tell you. And the way God marks me. One man told me this story, a preacher. His friends are rich because maybe he wasn't doing very well financially in Nigeria and all of that. And he has friends abroad, South Africa specifically, where he had a lot of his friends. So they arranged for him to move to South Africa and come and start doing ministry there. So he packed from Nigeria, arranged his things in order, I went to South Africa. And the day he arrived, he checked into the other apartment they had ready for him, and he fell asleep. The day he arrived. And he had a vision. And in the vision, he saw one Nigerian man of God, a very senior man of God, a name that we all know. But let me not bother to mention it, because the man is not involved. God just used that. And the man was on a big motorbike. And the man rode to where he was. I'm stopped. And I said, what are you doing here? 
I've told that God asked these questions. God asked him, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? There's a lot of work to do back home. Come and get back home. And the man rode away. And he woke up. He boarded the next plane. <laughs> All the arrangements his friends had made. He said, guys, I bet I don't wonder. He boarded the next plane and went back home. He said, that's why I, mean I don't have some temptations that some people have. The man said he went back home. So that, what I'm trying to say is that, so I, me, I recognize it. So I, I just know that they will ask me, what are you doing here? And I don't want trouble. You know, when I say I don't want trouble, I don't want to say, Lord, I'm hungry. That's why I came. Say, why did you not ask me for food? Then you know what you want to tell God? You want to get into trouble? I asked you, you didn't bring it. Insult. Never accuse God. You know, one thing you must never do is accuse God. Let me add down for you. If I've never told you, don't accuse God. What did I say? Never claim you did right, he did wrong. Please, I beg you. Never. Never claim you did right, but he did wrong. All these troubles I'm having is because I married the person you say I should marry. Never. Did you hear what I said? I can't remember ever saying this. Maybe I have, but I can't remember. But let me say to everybody listening, never accuse God. You know, Job was very wise in that one. When the thing pained Job, he began to abuse the day with him. Did you get my point? Uh, the the thing pained Job. wanted to say, God, this thing you did is not good. <laughs> he says, I can't say it. He said, first of January, you are a useless day. Say, who was that man that went and told my father his wife had delivered? May God punish you. <laughs> yeah. He re- but he, w- he avoided God. He said, I don't want trouble. I'm begging you, don't ever accuse God. One man those days, a contemporary of Chris Okote, he said, Jesus ruined my life. When Chris Okote gave his life to Christ, he also gave his life to Christ. They were friends. He said, Jesus ruined my life. He didn't let me practice love. He said, just ruined my life. Well, I didn't hear from him directly. That's why I didn't mention it. Partly why I didn't mention his name. I think I can remember his name vaguely now. But I said, I hope they are quoting him wrongly. I hope he meant ruined in a good way. It ruined my worldly life that I might have a spiritual life. Maybe. But please, I beg you, never ever accuse God. Do you know why you shouldn't ever accuse him? He's never wrong. So that's why I will not tell the Lord, I left here to come and look for food. And then he will say, why didn't you ask me for food? And I will now open my mouth and say, I asked you. And you didn't bring it. There's no, I don't know many things that have a, that shortens Shortcut to the end of your life like that one. There are not too many. One day I was talking to one man. We were talking. I just wanted to encourage him to focus on the ministry of, the, of God. I thought he wasn't settled and, you know, on the ministry. I was too, afraid, too apprehensive about many things. So one day he was saying something to some people. He said, people say I should take it easy that God will take care of him, including people like me. He said, is that the way he took care of me, where I'm coming from? You didn't get the point? That I should, God will take care of me. Did he take care of me where I'm coming from? I'm here and I say I should lie that he'll take care of me. I believe that thing. So now I wonder that. Is that supposed to be a joke? You know, there's way we behave with God. If, if, even if you are feeling like that, don't say it. At least your sin is in half. Because what you think is one sin, what you see is a confirmation and stamping of the sin. I say, people get boldness. So. Never accuse God. Though. Don't say, because I obeyed, look at the trouble I'm in now. 
know what you do? Thank you for the power to obey you. Thank you for trouble. Lord, this trouble is good. It's for my own good. Thank you. You know why? Because it is true. And indeed, he never fails. He never does what is wrong. You ascribe righteousness, Moses said, to your maker. That's just the way it is. I hope you're getting my point. What have I said today? I want to summarize everything there. This is the spirit that must be in your heart. Then you will hear God and hear God clearly. Then you make decisions and they will be right. And what are those things? Number one, in this my life, my primary goal is to be formed into the exact image of Jesus Christ. Even if he has to take me through trials and tribulations to achieve it, I may not like it, but let him do it. Next, there's a reason why he gave me life. I must fulfill it. I will not get to the end of my life. And they will say to one, they will say to one person, well done, good and faithful servant. They will tell me, what did he say to that man? No, there's one time that he said, he brought, what did he say to that one that brought one, that had one talent? And said, you wicked, yes, you wicked slave. What's the other one? Uh-huh. You wicked and lazy servant. Is that the one? <laughs> That's the one thing I don't want to hear. I pray to the Lord that, because there's no book I'm writing that he did not ordain. That's what I believe. I pray that every book he ordained that we write. Every sermon he said I should preach, I will preach it. Every language he said I should preach it in. If you say, thank you, this one we are preaching in English is not. Let's start preaching in Portuguese. I will pray to, for grace to learn Portuguese. But I don't want to get to the end of the day. And I say, ah, thank you, you try. It was good, it was good. I, there are no good people, they enjoyed you. You did some things. But I wanted you to actually move over and preach in Swahili. But fear did not agree. Your fear, you were afraid of going to Kenya. That they don't like Nigerians in South Africa. You are afraid to go to East Africa. You know that kind of thing. But don't worry, it's okay. You try for where you did. Ah, no one hear that, you know. Because he's a banker. Go and start this ministry in Kenya. I will, I will so leave you guys in Enugu. You wouldn't believe it. I will even kidnap everybody. Israel. Israel the two-second Israel. Felix. I just say, guys, let's just travel. You'll be happy to travel. She will not be, don't be me go buy tickets. We we'll go buy now. After that, I kidnap their passport. Throw it away. Say, Pastor, what is going on? Let's send tickets to your wife and children. Maybe they come to <laughs> As if that's God, what God's plan. What I'm trying to say is that. But for me, it's so strong in my heart that God, everything you say I should do, I must do. Where you say I should be, you must find me there. God knew where Adam was when he was shouting, where are you? Why was he shouting? He said, no, I'll go to where I kept you, not where you kept yourself. Did you see what I said? Mm-hmm. That's what God does. He said, I know where Adam was. I, and I was saying, Adam, where are you? You think I, did, you think I don't have eyes? I can see through every tree. I can see through the core of the earth. I'm on one side, I see direct. I will, God was in Africa, I was in Australia. Directly. Why was I not asking, where are you? Because I go to where I kept him. And thought, please add this on to your driving life. This is my life. God, I must see God. Like David said, in the land of the living. You know what that means? It means to see God in his power. Paul said, I must, I want to know him. And what? The power of his resurrection. Let me pray. God will multiply food for somebody. Amen. Literally, that is literal. God will multiply food for you. Amen. God will open somebody's womb. Amen. That is the one that doctors say, I can't. God said, fine, that's the way I like it. I like that I can't. So that when it is done, you will know I did it. I read the testimony of one woman. One woman, I read her story last week. 
two days ago. And you know what happened? This woman went for a meeting. Someone was preaching about the power of God. She had a very bad heart. Very bad heart. In fact, that family, they suffered. One of the children, they gave the child glasses. The child fell down, pushed his glasses into his eye. And because it was a child, instead of just saying, he could get rubber in. <laughs> went blind in that eye. The other child they had, let me not talk about the other one. Also very painful. But she had a very bad heart, walking badly. Then she went for a meeting. And the preacher was preaching about the power of God to heal. The power of God to heal. And then she felt a warmth inside her as if that power had touched her. But nobody had told her that it touched her. So normally when she goes out, she walks very slowly and climbs very slowly. But this day she was in a hurry. She went to the mall. Normally she would take the lift and walk slowly. But she was in a hurry and she forgot and she ran up the steps. Did you catch that? Yes. The just arranged. She ran up the steps. Then when she got up, she said, yeah. I forgot to take the lift. They noticed that she was not short of breath. Whoa! Ah, that power was really the one the man was talking about. Then she went to the doctor. She had an appointment with the doctor. Went to see the doctor next. Don't cry. The doctor tested her and said, ah, the heart was enlarged. The doctor checked it. This heart looks normal. This size is normal. The doctor checked everything. Went, this heart is just good. Looked at her and said, what happened? And she said, Nothing. And she go back home, she was sick again. Took her, I think, the next five years before God restored her healing. She had to travel to America to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting. And when she got healed, she said, I had learned my lesson the hard way. Her heart was perfectly normal. When she was going back home, she was misbehaving on the street. Her son said, Mommy, calm down. Hey, calm down. Calm down. The last time I calmed down, do you know what happened? <laughs> he said, oh, by the way, that boy, that the eye, had the, eye, the eye was dead totally, but, uh, but that, at that meeting, he started seeing colors. He started seeing shades, colors. The eye began to recover bit by bit. Well, when I read that story, I said, Lord, you know what? We love you. But we are not following John the Baptist. We are following Jesus Christ. Do you, you hear what I say? Are you a disciple of John? So. You're a disciple of who? Jesus Thank you. So I said, Jesus, I will don't leave us the way John left them. You, John the Baptist did what? No mighty work. You, God anointed you with the Holy Spirit and with power. And you went around doing good and healing how many? All. How many? All. Does that include me? Yes, Does that include you? Yes, sir. Just put it and say, Lord. I want to manifest experience, manifest experience, and manifest your power in this my life. I am not a disciple of John. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the thought that should be driving you. They say everywhere is dangerous. They say, then the God of protection will keep me. They say the land is dry. They say Isaac sowed in that land. These things were recorded for my learning. Living in these last days, it was recorded for my learning. Say, Lord, manifest your power in my life. That's the thought-driving thing that must drive every believer in Christ Jesus. That the power of God will be manifested in your life.